Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I say that with the greatest um, delight that I can welcome you, and that you continue to keep coming back and inviting your friends. Thank you for doing that. We still have some books left. Not many, but a little sampling of one or two. We found a couple of Elliot books that hadn't gotten out, and we have a few left of Barnes books. You'll be surprised. And we still have some of Sandy Wilson's books because that was just aired, and not all of you have weighed in. So let us hear from you so we can get these out to you. They were given to us to give to you, and we want to give them away to you. And we want you to continue to invite your friends to listen to Modern Homemakers. Last February, I was shaken. I was shaken following the State of the Union address. Now, I am a, what my husband calls a political junkie, okay, and uh, most of you know my age, but in the 60s, a political science professor just fell in love with me and I with her, and she just, you know, it was like shooting right into my veins, the thing that I had always been interested in but didn't have much contact with. And she was connected everywhere. She was connected everywhere. So connected everywhere that when John F. Kennedy came to what was Midway Airport, I'm really aging myself because Midway Airport is now the Southwest Hub in Chicago, Illinois. Um, it was a private airport in those days, and when John F. Kennedy landed at Midway Airport, I was there with Mrs. Schaefer, the prof, who was cultivating her little political junkie. That was me. And it was, it was someone said to me, did you ever take a picture? And I thought to myself, take a picture. I, w I was beside myself with the absolute possibility that there he was going to come off that plane and I was in the front row and I was going to actually shake the hand of the President of the United States. Like, that was enough, much less, of course, John F. Kennedy was like, you know, he was so handsome. And I was, I was in my late teens, you know, 19 or 20. And his wife was gorgeous and Camelot and all of that. Now, I lived in the city of Chicago, and Chicago has always been a democratic city. And I want to tell you that at this point in my life, if you said to me, are you a Democrat or a Republican, I will tell you I am neither. And my husband, who is always registered as independent, because he's always ahead of me in thinking about things, um, not always, so when we moved, I registered as an independent, and that felt very good to me. Now, I'm not here to talk politics, but I am here to say that the same sadness I felt after the State of the Union, when the leaders of the land would not shake hands and would tear up the speech of the current president, I was grieved, like grieved. And days later, I brought to you a message um, that I think we called I Was Thinking. It was based on a book I had just purchased by Arthur C. Brooks, who is a best-selling author and writes for the Washington 
host and teaches at Harvard. And he was talking in this book about how decent people can save America from a culture of contempt. And he talked about the contempt that he found in the culture. Now, between Brooks's remarks and my knowledge of the scripture and my knowing what all of you know, if you've been to church at all, and if you've been steeped in the church, you've been taught to love your enemies. More than that, love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. And you say, how in the world do I get to that when some deed has been done to me that I that has not been righted with the acts of forgiveness and reconciliation, etc. Well, I think Brooks is, his voice came hearkening back to me as two nights ago, I cried myself to sleep. I just cried myself to sleep. And while I say to you, I was 19 years old, I wish I could calculate my math right now and tell you exactly how old I was and when he was the president. Uh, but I could tell you exactly. Uh, I, my my Pollyanna-ish of those years and um, a life lived and a person who has studied the scripture and taught the scripture, I was more than grieved watching two leaders in our land uh, say and do what they did to one another for an audience of around the world. If you watched it, you, you'll, you'll understand. If you didn't watch it, when you read even a newspaper or watched the news the next day, you saw the pundits just tearing it apart. And, and really, on the conservative networks, they were tearing their own conservative fellow down. And on the more liberal networks, they were tearing their own fellow down, although finding excuses for it. But I, I thought about it, and we were talking about the name of this podcast. You know, we named them all so you can find them. And I have two grandchildren who are now teenagers, 14 and 16, and I assure you they don't say nice and easy, mac and cheesy, Aunt Louise, and on and on they went when they were little. But mac and cheesy, nice and easy has been one that just stuck with Grandpa and Grandma Otto, and we often say it, and it's not nice and easy. So we named this show Easy Breezy Mac and Cheesy Not. This is not easy. This is not easy. And I, I've been thinking about what does what happens to me when I think something's going to be easy. And it's not. I think something's going to be easy, and it's not. I have been voting at every election since I could vote proudly, happily, wearing my little sticker around. One year, I can remember, David said, what happened? Didn't you, didn't you vote today? And I said, of course I voted. And I looked down at my jacket, and my sticker was gone. And he tells the story later that I frantically went looking around in my car in the house because I didn't have my sticker on. I mean, okay, that's true. I played that a little higher than I needed to. But I not only couldn't wait to vote, 
I was very careful about knowing the issues. I never, like never went into a polling booth and pulled a lever, not ever. And if I had the main characters who I was voting for and they were on the conservative Republican side, that didn't mean that they were all, never pulled the lever. And if I thought they were more on the progressive or the democratic or liberal side or left, right, you know, we got all sorts of names for them. I never pulled the lever, ever. I may make it a serious thing. And I go to the polls, like David and I in recent years, we line up early when there's a line for people who have to go to work. We don't have to go to work, but we love the thrill of going down there and keeping all the rules. And you know, the signs can't be within 30 feet of the polling. There's just so much about it that is thrilling to me thrilling to me that we have had the privilege all of our lives to live in this culture that we live in, this freedom, this democracy, this ability to be civil. Roberts describes in his book contempt and the signs of contempt, and I mentioned this in February when I last addressed you on this subject. He describes them as sarcasm, sneering, Hostile humor, you know what the proverb says, kidding on the square, he called, no kidding on the square. What is kidding on the square? We're making a joke about something that isn't funny, is it? It's not funny to you, and the only way you can say it is you make a joke. Do you do that with your kids or your husband or your friends because you're not willing to say this is a problem? Kidding on the square? You just can't say it straight out. He talks about eye-rolling and the verbal and body languages that communicate you are worthless. Did you see the debate? Then you saw all of that. You saw all of that from both of them. And you can just say, well, he started it. Okay, he started it. What do you tell your children when they start a fight with someone? Well, he may have started it, but you don't have to finish it. You don't have to engage with it. Now, Roberts is, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Roberts, Brooks is his last name, is quite popular right now. He's been on an enormous traveling circuit. And I recently saw him uh, on the screen in a speech that he was giving for the Trinity Forum. And he talked again about, we are not called to civility or tolerance. These standards are too low. And I had read that in this book and used that last February. We're not called to civility or tolerance. Those of us who walk in faith are called to much more. We're called to love. We're called to love, not civility. Contempt causes us, and again, Brooks says this in his book, to a secret stress hormone a cortisol, sort of an adrenaline, which literally spikes and can wear you out. And as I was watching, I could not watch at all. I left the room. We were watching it with friends. And the wife and I, the wife of our friends and myself, we, we just got up in tears and left the room. The guys stayed, but we could hear shouting back there. So in the first ever Donna Otto, who watches all the debates on both sides 
all of the people in all the primary debates because I think these are the people who may not rule our country right now but may rule it later. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. I take, I take an interest in this and go out to do um, what I think I can do. One of the things that Brooks talks about is nice. He says that nice guys don't get ahead in business. And um, girls go for the jerks. Girls go for the bad guys. And I mentioned to you in February a lovely line in the movie Harvey, which is a Frank Capra movie. And I guess I can say to you unilaterally, Frank Capra movies can be watched by the whole family. You don't have to screen them. And Harvey's about a imaginative six-foot-two rabbit, a puka, and Harvey becomes best friends with Jimmy Stewart, who's the lead character in this film. And Jimmy Stewart says to Harvey, when I was a kid, my mother told me I was oh so smart and oh so pleasant, and that I should choose one. And I chose oh so pleasant. And David and I just love that line. We say it often, oh so pleasant. What is oh so pleasant? It is the nice guy. The nice guy who may not finish first at the deposit line at the bank because he doesn't make as much. I gave you some ideas to smile more, to live in gratitude, to find out what you don't love and ask God to help you to be love to that person. Love the person and not the activities. I was looking at these notes and thinking to myself, love the person and not the activities. And I was so annoyed with the persons. And I thought, I am annoyed with the persons. And then I reminded myself that I am not to, not to be annoyed with the persons. I am called a much higher standard. I am called to love them and pray for them and pray for those who despitefully use and persecute us. Now, Donna, are you saying that these political candidates are persecuting us? Ah, no, I can't go so far as to say they're persecuting us. They're certainly persecuting one another. And they're doing it on a live stage before my grandchildren and your grandchildren and your children and before countries around the world who have looked to America as a beacon of light. We may be Americans, but those of us who have said yes to Christ, those of us who have said the big yes, we are not called to nice. We are not called to generosity. We are not called to getting along. We are called to love. And love is a different animal. And then we're called to pray for those who despitefully use and persecute us. So I'm calling you to remember what God's word said. I'm calling you to that because I've been called to it again myself. I've been called to it again myself. One of the things Brooks talks about that was very interesting to me, and I haven't, I haven't ruminated on at all, but he says it's very good to be persuasive. Think about that. It's very good to be persuasive. Now, I have some spiritual gifts, and which include speaking gifts. So I have learned to have a persuasive voice. 
I have learned to have a persuasive voice. And he said, persuasion is a good thing until it turns into manipulation. And, and what, what turns it? Uh, I thought, what makes the difference between persuasion and manipulation? And I'm going to give you a theological illustration. In the days when I was a youth and I came to say yes for the first time to Christ when I was a teenager, 16 years old. And that yes was my first yes of many yeses. And I wish I had said yes all the time. I don't. Sometimes I say no to God because I do, because I'm that way. When, when I heard who Christ was and could be to me, which was a God who was a God of order and wanted to help bring calm out of the chaos in my life, I said yes. Was the first yes. Okay. Now, after that, I heard people talking and trying to encourage others to say yes, and they moved from persuasion to manipulation. And here's why because they tried to manipulate people by saying, if you don't say yes, you are going to rot in a fiery hell. That's manipulation. Because you're not saying yes because you're persuaded that there's the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has promised to never leave you or forsake you to the fifth power, never, 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 never leave you or forsake you. Has promised to be with you always and has promised to be the strength to love your enemy, to prayerfully pray for your enemy. So persuasion, that's, that's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to persuade you that if you have been angry, if you have been grieved like I was, if you are feeling grief about the things that you see in our culture, riots and rebellions and men and women talking not even kindly to each other, not even civilly to one another, but in contempt to one another, Instead of your moving into the extreme position of the absence of kindness or the absence of love, I call you today to remind you that love is the action that changes. Love is the action that changes us. We may never see the change, but within ourselves, we are changed. We are changed when we don't take sides. We are changed when we are silent. After the debates were over, the four of us were talking, and um, one of the people among the four of us, not me, said all one of them had to have done was just walked away from the conversation. When the demeaning marks were flown, instead of rolling eyes and responding with contempt, just stopped just stop. Not as a form of manipulation, but as a form of determination not to engage in that kind of unfair play. You know, in some sense, this is eye-opening to us because it isn't just one party that's doing it. It isn't just one man that's doing it, which would help you perhaps make a decision. Now, here we are. We're all making a decision, those of us who are going to vote this year, and I pray that you do vote. But remember, that what God has called us to do isn't easy. 
Not easy, mac and cheesy. No, it's very hard to stand up and be counted on the side of love. On the side of love. Love your enemies. We are Modern Homemakers, and I'm Donna Otto. Thank you so much for joining us in these sessions. Thank you for letting me air my heart and mind today. I pray that it is of some comfort to you that like you, I am struggling. Like you, I am reminding myself, as I hope to remind you, that we have a higher call, not just civility, love. Love not just for those we love, but to love our enemies. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of exercising love toward an enemy. Mm -hmm.